2008 uh, was a memorable year for the American Olympic team, but for all the wrong reasons. In every Olympic game since 1928, both the men's and the women's 4 by 100 metres relay team had been in the medals for 80 years. For 20 consecutive Olympic Games, four men and four women had been America's pride and joy on the podium. Until Beijing in 2008. At those games, both the men's and the women's teams went into the games with another very strong chance of, being, uh, of coming home with a medal. But they didn't even get through the first round. It first happened to the men's team and then to the women's. They were doing remarkably well for the first three quarters of the relay. But at the last changeover, with only 100 metres to go, the baton was dropped. The teams were disqualified and for the first time in 80 years, the stars and stripes were not hoisted up the flagpole at the medal ceremony. No matter how fast they could run, in one moment... Years of training and practice and the pride of a nation was gone. Getting the handover right in a relay race is vitally important. It's the part of the race where the most mistakes are made. It doesn't matter how fast you can run. If you don't hold on firmly to the baton and if you don't pass the baton on securely, then the race is over. In today's passage, we're going to see how important it is to, to pass on the baton of the gospel well. It's important to ensure that we're holding on firmly to the gospel of Jesus, and it's important that we're passing it on to those who keep on running the race. Uh, the race of the Christian life is much more significant than running around an oval with a stick in your hand. So please open up your Bibles uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. It's on page 842 or page 1853. And we're going to listen to God speak to us today. I'm going to pray as you find those pages in your Bible. Father God, we thank you for the gospel of life. We thank you that you've given it to us. Please help us today as we hear you speak to us. Please help us to hold on to it even more firmly and to be keen and prepared to pass it on to others. Amen. Paul wanted Timothy uh, to pass on the baton of the gospel. Uh, remember, as we've been looking at 2 Timothy, this letter was written towards the end of Paul's life. He was sitting in jail, locked up, because he had proclaimed that Jesus was Lord. And he was encouraging Timothy to fan into flame the gift that God had given to him. To not be afraid or embarrassed of Jesus or of Paul, but to get out there and preach the word. But Paul's charge to Timothy to preach the word wasn't for Timothy only. No, Paul wanted Timothy to keep on passing on the baton of the gospel. Uh, just as Paul had taught Timothy about Jesus, now Timothy was to teach others. And in particular, Timothy needed to identify reliable people who would go on and pass the baton of the gospel to others. Have a look in your Bibles at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 2 and verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 
You can see what Paul is doing here. Uh, Paul died somewhere around the year 64 or 67 AD. It's less than 40 years since Jesus ministered in Galilee, died and rose again. Paul is about to die. The other apostles are either dead or getting very old. If Paul stuffs up this baton change to Timothy, or if Timothy stuffs up his baton change, then humanly speaking, that's it for the gospel. That's it for the message of of salvation. So it's imperative that Timothy gets a firm grasp on the baton from Paul and that he's ready to pass it on to the next generation. But the relay race that Paul is racing in, uh, Paul and Timothy are competing in, it's not easy. It's a hard race and Timothy needs to be prepared to endure hardship. And that's what Paul says in verse 3. Have a look there. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Uh, Now Paul uses three illustrations, three pictures to show Timothy the kind of hardship that he's going to face and endure. Uh, Paul uses three images, the picture of the single-minded soldier, the disciplined athlete and the hard-working farmer. So first the single-minded soldier, what's the hardship that this soldier endures? It's that that he's got to be single-minded, focused on the work of a soldier. He can't get distracted by civilian affairs. Life as a soldier is tough and you've got to be single-minded. If you're in the middle of battle and there's bullets flying everywhere and your phone beeps to alert you that the stock price has gone through the roof, you can't stop and call your broker. You've got to be single-minded. You can't fight the battle with one eye fixated on the TV or worried about what other people are thinking about you. You've got to be single-minded. If you're a soldier and you want to stay alive and you want to please your commanding officer then you've got to be single-minded. No matter what hardship you face, no matter what distractions there are, you're devoted to being a soldier and pleasing your commanding officer. Read verse 4 with me. No one serving as a soldier gets gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. The second picture is of the disciplined athlete. What's the hardship that this athlete endures? The athlete wants to win the sorry, the athlete that wants to win the prize has to train hard, eat properly, do the push-ups, lift the weights, run the laps and chase that black line down the bottom of the swimming pool. There's no shortcuts for the fair and disciplined athlete. No drugs, no steroids, steroids, no bribes, no corruption. If you're an athlete and you want to win the prize, you've got to play the game fair. You've got to train hard, you've got to be disciplined, and only then do you get the medal or the victor's crown. Listen to verse 5. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The third picture is of the hard-working farmer. What's the hardship that this farmer has to endure? Uh, Well, I grew up in a farming area and I've done uh, more than my fair share of seasonal work and so I've got a bit of an idea about this. Uh, Farm work is full of hardship. Blisters, sunburn, backache, everything ache. Early mornings and then late nights staying up to do all the paperwork. Harvesting against the weather, moving cattle in scorching heat and drenching rain. The hard-working farmer has no shortage of hardship. And the reward? Well, the farmer should get first dibs at the crops. 
Have a look at verse 6. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So what are these three pictures all about? Enduring under various hardships. Paul knows that Timothy is going to face hardship because of following Jesus and passing on the baton of the gospel. Uh, Paul himself has been through all sorts of hardship. Imprisoned, beaten, stoned, flogged, shipwrecked. Hardship is going to come Timothy's way. And to be forewarned is forearmed. And so Timothy needs to be prepared to face hardship like the single-minded soldier, the disciplined athlete and the hard-working farmer. He's got to be single-minded, devoted to passing on the baton of the gospel. He's got to be disciplined, not allowing himself to get flabby with sin. He's got to be hard-working, tirelessly telling people about Jesus. Timothy is going to face all sorts of situations and Paul doesn't know exactly what they're going to be. And so he tells Timothy to reflect deeply on what he's been saying in these different pictures so that God will give him insight when he faces all sorts of different hardships. Please read verse 7. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. In these first seven verses, uh, Paul has recruited Timothy onto a relay team. He's passed the baton on to Timothy and he's making sure that Timothy will pass the baton on. Uh, And Paul's also reminded him that this isn't going to be an easy race. There's going to be all sorts of hardships that Timothy's got to endure. And so he's encouraged Timothy to endure through these hardships like the the single-minded soldier, the fair athlete and the hard-working farmer. In the last five verses of this section, uh, Paul reminds Timothy of the gospel and reminds him that this gospel is worth suffering for. The gospel is the baton that Timothy needs to pass on. It's no use if Timothy's really good at doing relay passes, if if he's really good at finding someone to pass on something to the next person. It's no good if he's good at doing that, that skill, if what he's passing on is not the true gospel of Jesus. This is the gospel relay race. And so Timothy's got to have a firm gris, gris, sorry, grip on the message of Jesus so that he can pass it on. So what's the true message of Jesus? Paul summarises it in three statements. First of all, the good news is Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus, the Messiah, the King. Uh, Christ isn't Jesus' surname like my name is Daniel Saunders. No, Jesus is God's promised saviour and king. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the one who's been raised from the dead. He was crucified by the Romans on a hill outside of Jerusalem. He died and was buried. But God's raised him to life again and now he reigns as Lord. And finally... Paul's message is that Jesus is descended from David. Uh, If you've been at church with us for the past few months, you'll know what that's all about. King David. 1 Chronicles was all about King David, all about the gospel. And do you remember the promise that God gave uh, to David in 1 Chronicles 17? In 1 Chronicles 17 verse 14, God gave David a promise about a descendant. Uh, God promised David that... I will set him, that is David's descendant, over my house and my kingdom forever. His throne will be established forever. 
Well, the good news, the gospel message that Paul wants Timothy to remember and pass on is that Jesus is that son of David who has risen from the dead and is king forever. Let's hear the gospel in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's good news which saves us. So that's why Paul is willing to go to jail for the gospel. That's why Paul thinks it's worth enduring hardship for the gospel. Because people need to hear the gospel so they can repent, trust in Jesus and be saved. Hear what Paul says in verses 9 and 10. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. Did you hear that little sentence in the middle? But God's word is not chained. I love that picture. It might look hopeless from a human perspective. There might be all sorts of hardship and resistance to the gospel. One of the most important preachers of the gospel might be locked up in jail. But God's word isn't chained. And because God's word isn't chained, Paul finishes up this section by encouraging Timothy with a trustworthy saying. That is, four little statements to encourage Timothy to endure hardship, to hold on to the gospel of Jesus and to pass the baton on to the next generation. The first statement is, if we died with him, we will also live with him. This is beautiful stuff, if we died with him. That's not about having literally died as a Christian, died with Jesus as our saviour, but rather that all Christians have died with Jesus in his death. Do you get that? Jesus died for us and if you are trusting in Jesus you have been united with him and so his death is your death we have died with him and because we have died with him we have the hope that we will live forever with him his new life is our new life which we look forward to now the second statement if we endure we will also reign with him Uh, Remember, Paul has just encouraged Timothy to endure as a Christian, to stick at trusting Jesus and obeying him, even when things are tough. That was the whole point of the pictures of the soldier, the athlete, the farmer. And now Paul adds a new incentive to endure. Those who endure, those who stick with Jesus to the end, they look forward to reigning and ruling with Jesus in the new creation. That's the first two, and they're pretty positive things. Number one, the hope of living with Jesus forever. Number two, the hope of reigning with Jesus forever. Uh, But in number three, Paul sounds a warning. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If instead of enduring, we disown Jesus, then things don't look good. If when hardship comes, we give up trusting and obeying Jesus then he'll disown us. Now the fourth saying returns to the positive message of the first two. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. Uh, This last statement is full of comfort and hope. 
Because you could hear that previous statement, the one about disowning, and think that after one little trip up, then that's it. Uh, But that's not what the third statement was talking about. It's talking about a continual, deliberate disowning of Jesus, walking away from Jesus and never returning to him. We can all think of times when we haven't owned up to Jesus, uh, times when we've been timid or shy or afraid of standing up for Jesus. And so saying number four is good news for all of us. If we are faithless, the good news is that Jesus remains faithful. There is forgiveness and mercy, even for people like us. Uh, Let's hear all these four statements together. Read with me from verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. What an encouragement this trustworthy saying is. It's worth sticking with Jesus. It's worth trusting in and obeying Jesus, even when times are tough. It's worth handing on the baton of the gospel to the next generation, even though it'll mean enduring hardship. Uh, This part of the letter was written to encourage Timothy. So this morning I want to encourage you to keep on passing the baton of the gospel. You and I have an incredible privilege. We have heard the gospel of Jesus, raised from the dead, the promised son of David. We know what it means to have our sins forgiven, to have the hope of salvation and eternal glory. And we have the privilege of being involved with God's work of passing the gospel on, passing it on to the next generation of reliable people who will hold firm to the gospel of Jesus, teach others and pass it on themselves. Can I say... That as a whole, as a church, this church, we're doing a good job at passing on the gospel. Kids' church is full of kids hearing the message of Jesus each week. Youth group is full of teenagers who are studying the scriptures and being made wise for salvation. But even more than that, at kids' church and at youth group each week, there are young leaders, young men and women who are being trained in gospel ministry. They're being taught how to teach the gospel to others. The baton is being passed down. This is really exciting. I trust that you're excited about this too. I trust that you're behind uh, the elders and Beck and supporting them as they train these young leaders. Even more than that, can I challenge you uh, to encourage these young guys and girls who are right now teaching the gospel to the kids of this church, to your kids. These young men and women who are partnering with the families of this church to raise up our kids in the gospel. So one of the ways that we at this church are passing on the baton to reliable people is in the way that our young men and women are being trained up in gospel ministry. But can I also thank you for the way that you are passing on the baton of gospel ministry through having student ministers in your church. Uh, It's tremendous that this church is committed to passing the baton of the gospel through having student ministers amongst them. This isn't always easy. There are all sorts of difficulties and uh, and complications and expenses that come from having students at church. Having students means that you have to dig into your pockets to give us a stipend. Having students means that there are people who come into your life for a couple of years and right from the very beginning, you know that there is a goodbye just around the corner. Uh, John and Anita Chewy and myself and our families will be leaving at the end of this year. 
and it can be difficult to make friendships with people who you know are only going to say goodbye. And so we thank you for welcoming us into this church family so that we can have the baton passed on to us. Another cost of having student ministers is you have to listen to beginning preachers. <laughs> there are costs to passing on the baton in this way, but there are great benefits for the kingdom of God. Because of your commitment to passing on the baton in this way, people all over Australia and the world are hearing the gospel of Jesus because of you. Andrew and Simone Richardson are leading a church in the northeast of Brisbane, a church where some of my friends are being trained as student ministers as well. Uh, Andrew and Sarah Poyser are now proclaiming Christ in Rockhampton. Gemma Kaju is raising up the next generation at Fresh Church in the northwest of Brisbane. Uh, Russell and Jocelyn Williams are ministering to students and all sorts of people on the Gold Coast. Uh, then there's Sheridan Evans in Wagga, Chandra Smith, who, is, who we support as a missionary in Ecuador. Uh, and these are just the students that I know who you've passed the gospel on to, the baton on to, and I know that there are more. Men and women can be found all over the world proclaiming the gospel, building God's kingdom, and you're part of that. You have been part of passing on the baton of the gospel to them so that they can pass the baton on to others. This is exciting. But what about you personally? Are you, like Timothy, passing on the gospel to reliable people? Are you discipling someone, reading the Bible with them, praying with them, teaching them how to live for Jesus? Because passing the baton isn't something that just happens at the big level, at a church level, but it happens as individual Christians build up disciples of Jesus. So who are you discipling? If you're a parent, then the obvious people that you need to be discipling are those little ones whom God has entrusted to your care. Uh, God has given these children for you to pass the baton on, on to them. So keep telling your kids the message of Jesus. It's not the job of the kids' church or youth group leaders to pass the gospel on to them. It's your job. Pray with and for your kids. Pass the baton of the gospel on to them. Read the Bible with them. But don't limit this idea of discipling to your kids or just to kids. Are you discipling a younger Christian, uh, maybe a younger man or woman in your Bible study and investing your time and effort and passing the gospel on to them? That should be part of what we're doing here, shouldn't it? What we're doing here at church on a Sunday. We're here to encourage one another, to encourage those younger than us in Christ, to pick up the baton of the gospel and to run with that. Are you doing that? And that's what we should be doing in Bible study, encouraging younger Christians to pick up the baton of the gospel and to run with it. And if that's what we should be doing at those times, we can't just limit ourselves to those short times. We need to disciple someone more intentionally than that, to find that younger Christian and invite them into our lives, to eat meals with them, to pray with them, to talk about serving Jesus with them, and to talk the gospel and to read the Bible with each other. This might be something new for you, a new idea for you, or it might be something that you used to hold dear but has fallen off your radar. But it's really important that we're doing this. 
it's important that we're discipling. Don't drop the baton. Pass it on to a reliable person. Don't let the race stop with you. There is a great prize that awaits us. As Paul says, a victor's crown from our Heavenly Father. Something which is much more worthwhile than standing on a medal podium. Something much more worthwhile than having a flag hoisted in your honour. We are participating in the gospel relay. So hold firm to that baton and pass it on. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus. We thank you for the salvation and hope that it gives us. We know that holding on to the gospel and passing it on to others will bring hardship to us. Please prepare us to stand firm in that hardship. We thank you for the many people that this church has been a part of passing the baton of the gospel on to. We thank you for these men and women who are now all around the world in Australia proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in all sorts of uh, contexts and ways. We pray that this church will continue to do that more and more even as we are aware of the difficulty and costs that brings. Father God, please help us all to be individually devoted to passing on the baton of the gospel to someone else. Please help us to make the time and effort to make sure the, baton, sorry, the, the relay race doesn't stop with us. Please help us to hold firm to the baton and to pass it on. Amen.